Hey everyone, Dutch Jan Miller here with our next uh, episode of Kuden. So uh, we'll see how many actually uh, jump on this after the the warning that I put out that it's not for it's not for the faint-hearted or easily triggered, right? Um, so uh, for those of you tuning in, this is actually based on a session that was taught by one of my uh, one of my black belts at the academy, uh, Shoshi Whistler, Jason Whistler, um, on uh, goal setting and what it was really wrapped around was the problems and pitfalls with the way goal setting and achievement is normally done and then taking a look at an alternate kind of thing, right? And there were a couple of little, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, the hell are they called, James? Um, you know, little initials and stuff. I don't, fucking, my brain just <laughs> took a little Acronyms. Thing. Acronyms. Thank you very much. All right. Sorry. Uh, the other day I was using like $150 words out of a $5 mouth, and today I can't freaking spit out the word acronym. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so uh, there were a couple that flew around. We had, we had a great time laughing. Yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty Absolutely. cool. Um, yeah, so uh, during the little breakout sessions where other instructors cover things at camps, kind of gives me time to like catch up on some some admin things, take care of some other things that need to be done. So I wasn't there for the entire uh the entire session, but James was right because, uh, well, I think did you have the do you have the record for how the, the the person who traveled the farthest to get to uh, camp this time? Uh, no, uh, J uh, Steve Davis was in the Friday night Saturday morning, and he had traveled in from Illinois, I think Illinois Indiana Indiana. There you go, Indiana. I knew it was one of those I states. It wasn't Idaho. That's too far. Anyway, so yeah, uh, but um, so uh, this camp, um, and we knew it was going to happen, right? I mean, um, now we had a, a, a bunch of uh, local guys come in for, uh, and girls come in for uh, camp, but, you know, what we find is that, uh, by and large, most people just want the whole beat em up look cool, you know, feel like a samurai warrior kind of thing, and this whole mental psychological aspect uh, to training um, it's, it's, it's for the, not one, it's not for the faint of heart. And two, it's, uh, it's not what most people want, right? Cause it requires you, instead of looking outward, it requires you to look inward and, uh, but there are a bunch of cool stuff, right? So anyway, um, we're going to talk about that and this whole, uh, goal setting kind of thing. When we get back, um, uh, just know for those uh, who are considering, or try to decide whether or not they're going to stay on for this one, right? I promise it's in ninjutsu, right? Okay, in the Tobacco Day School, first area of training, right? In the, in the eight gates, it's the eighth gate, but um, in the in the Tobacco Day School, it's the very first uh, area, right? It's the it's the first thing that you got to get handled um, so that you don't misuse or abuse or get lost in the other stuff, right? Balance. Anyway, we'll talk about that more as soon as we get back. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio. Real training for real people in a real world. Huh. 
still the same story. I must be consistent. Anyway, uh, James, go ahead. I almost said, James, go ahead and turn yourself on, but that would make us laugh like a bunch of other things that popped out of people's mouths, mouths over the weekend, right? So <laughs> anyway, all right. So I uh, got some folks uh, uh, signing in and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. So anyway, um, uh, James, did you have a good time over the weekend? Absolutely. Yeah, even with all that psychology stuff? Did your head hurt with any of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were some moments uh, yeah. there. What's that? Yeah, there's definitely some moments there. Um, yeah, so um, a lot of the, – for the folks that, that have to be, like, entertained by technique after technique after technique – uh, probably going to be disappointed by this one, right? I mean, we did plenty of Taijutsu. I mean, there was lots of physical stuff that went on, but uh, a lot of the psychological stuff and the and the connection, bonding, all that kind of stuff, not bonding like people bonding, but like connecting to the attacker or paying attention to what you need to be paying attention to, right? That took quite a bit of setup because uh, there, were, there were a couple of folks that were kind of confused by what they should be looking at or – uh, whatever. But anyway, um, other than the whole goal setting thing, right? What, unless that was it, right? What was your favorite part of camp? Besides punching oh. and throwing people. <laughs> uh, I think for me, it was uh, sort of looking at the kata we did and using those as kind of a moving meditation kind of thing. Okay. And able to observe, I I felt myself being able to like observe more without trying to like focus on anything or just or like pre-think things out or expect something or whatnot. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, when you're when we're because we use that term moving meditation for the kata a lot, right? Uh, but that's only one aspect for how you could train with kata, right? We want to make sure that oh, right. people there is don't, a whole... don't think that we're talking about like woo-woo stuff, right? Um, or like moving meditation suddenly became a tai chi kind of thing, right? Um, uh, what was what was the biggest surprise that you had? And hopefully we'll have some folks to uh, that jump on that were at camp that, you know, maybe they'll toss in some things too. But um, what was what was the biggest surprise that you didn't think was going to be a part of camp but ended up being this, you know, like part of it. Hmm. Hmm. I was the empty cup. I just showed up and let him pour gasoline into me. I mean, you know, whatever. For those listening on Apple Podcast, he's thinking, and I wasn't yeah. talking, so like there wasn't a glitch in the system. <laughs> <laughs> I should have hit some Jeopardy music or something while you're thinking. Well, if it comes to you, don't worry about it. Um, anyway, I want, I want to jump into this. Um, because we're, you know, we're we're really focusing on a whole bunch of things and really trying to, uh, in all honesty, we're really trying to target uh, very specific types of students 
who are looking for this kind of training and not finding it very well or not finding it, um, I don't know, in a way that's any different from what um, what people are used to, I don't know, just finding in a search, right? Uh, I did a Google search when I when I put together the slide. Let me pop the slide back up again here uh, for this particular episode. Bring it back up here again, right? Can everybody hear, still hear my voice? James, they can hear me? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, the picture behind me, right? We're going to talk about that in a minute, right? Um, when I When I was trying to find things to create this slide, right, for this particular episode, um, and I typed in goal setting, I mean, it was the same cliche stuff that just kept coming up, right? Uh, it was important to set goals and all this kind of stuff and uh, this, this SMART thing. You can't see all the letters back there, but it's this acronym, SMART. See, I finally got acronym down. Um, it, was, uh, it was this thing, right? And uh, that's what Shoshi Whistler uh, chose to take a look at. But what we really looked at was not only is it cliche and, and whatever, but um, one of the big things, let me just get rid of that, pop it back out of there again, right? Um, my favorite one when I was looking around for things, I had to, I had to jump away from goal setting to look at, um, I don't know, being misled, being uh, sidetracked or whatever. So that's where I found the two women Right. They're both blindfolded and stuff, but one's leading the other one. Right. So um, uh, often, you know, people aren't they're not taught how to do this stuff. Right. Um, and if they are, it's very, very academic. Right. It's um, what was the word that came up? Reasonable. Right. When you're setting your goals, make sure that you're reasonable. Right. You don't want to like, you know, sound like you're you're. BSing yourself or you don't want to sound like you're uh, crazy or, you know, unbelievable or whatever. Right. And so, uh, uh, you know, those kind of things uh, kind of going on. But you and I were talking before we hopped on and, and, and went live with this thing. Uh, Shushi Whistler kept asking questions to everyone. Right. Uh, when it came to goals. Right. You know what a goal is. Right. Uh, have you set goals in the past? And of course, everybody's nodding and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then he said, do you have an active one right now, right, that you're working on, right? And he went down the line, pointed at, pointed to everybody, right? And everybody nodded and said yes. But did you notice the same thing I did, that, like, people weren't in a hurry to nod or the nodding was kind of tentative? It was kind of, yeah, 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 yeah I've got one, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You know, and I'm in the back going, ooh, ooh. Right? He said, I'm just going to ignore him because I, I know the answer to that one, right? Um, and I said, do you, want, do you want me to pull up my phone with my, my notepad with what I say, how many goals I have and the 19 affirmations that go along with those goals and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, I'm, can you imagine somebody following me around all day long? <laughs> <laughs> An A personality type with maybe some accident-induced ADD going on. I don't know. Anyway, so, um, but there was that tentativeness, right? I mean, when when you nodded, because you've been working on this stuff since at least the beginning of the year, right? right. And, like, way different, right? And so uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about this a little bit. Um, but uh, I know, I mean, I don't know exactly 
all the ones that you're working on. But I've noticed things like um, wardrobe changes you've made, uh, you know, the way you carry yourself, the way you, you know, answer things and all that. You're actually actively making changes for something farther in the future. You're not just, you're not just like, well, dress for success. And well, what kind, right? Where, where are you heading, right? So, uh, but anyway, uh, again, this is, this is probably not going to be something that, that is going to be everybody's cup of tea. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to be, 95% of the people that might jump on or might have even seen the stuff that we put out or whatever, not going to be for them, right? Because either they're going to think they know what we're talking about or um, they don't want to hear <laughs> what we're talking about, right? Um, or it's just not, you know, this is a ninja too, so I'm not, you know, it's not, not my thing, right? Or they already assume that they've got it handled, like, you know, I'm already, I'm already got, got my stuff. Right. Uh, did we talk about uh, and I, I be, between my inner circle online coaching stuff and Kuden and my white whiteboard Wednesdays that has a certain specific not spin but you know what I mean a certain kind of approach to it that's easier for me to keep separated in my head but you have to keep me straight on this stuff because I've got inner circle uh, coaching calls with with private students or with, with uh, uh, personal students, Tuesday nights, Eastern time, right? Friday mornings, uh, Eastern time. And so then we've got this on Monday nights. So sometimes these topics, well, a lot of times these topics cross over, right? What I, I know I mentioned, where the hell is it going with this? I know I mentioned um, uh, shit. What the hell did I mention? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, shit. I was just going to ask about this. Um, oh, shit. Now i got to change topics because it, it'll have to come back into my head. Well, there was a freaking moment where my my uh, half-timers or my sometimers bumped up to half-timers or something, right? Uh, and I know that's going to offend somebody, too, because you shouldn't make fun of that. Well, if I don't make fun of it now... I may not remember to make fun of it when I actually have it going on, right? So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> some of the best things that ever happened coming up through the art and all that with, with people with different uh, uh, senses of humor and stuff like that. I mean, some of the, some of the jokes that Hatsumi Sensei's told um, in, in private was just, well, <laughs> even though he said it in big conferences during diner uh, dinners or, you know, whatever, um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. So that'll come back. I hope. <laughs> um, but anyway. So. Um, uh, so we 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 were covering the psychology on things, right? Where your head should be um, at the beginning, the middle, end of a fight, kind of thing, right? Um, and the fact that when you're practicing, when you're training, right? Unless you're just learning a technique where your head should be on, where's my foot go? Which way do I step? Where's my hand go? What am I covering? That kind of stuff. Once you get past that, then where your head should be um, on him and the fact that you need, once, you, once you've learned the moves, then you need to work on moving toward realism. 
right? Mm-hmm. As quickly as possible. And that doesn't mean that we need to go all out fight club shit, right? What I'm talking about is, is getting all the things in there that need to be there, right? Because at a certain point, the technique becomes a foregone conclusion, right? But what about all the other stuff that is not written in the Densho, right? Because the Densho is just like, uke ski, right? So we get that, right? So your training partner throws this kind of punch or they kick or they grab or whatever. Uh, and then you do X, Y, Z, and then that's the end of the technique, right? But what about all the other stuff, right? What about the stuff in the makimono? What about the stuff that gets passed on from the teacher and all that? Well, they're talking about what's going on in your headspace or the kudai dori and paying attention to your environment or the feel of things, which was huge for Hatsumi Sensei to talk about um, over the years, right? Um, and so managing those things, right? Because you don't just have the beginning, middle, and end of a fight, right? You have that in a technique, right? So um, often people train like uh, Scotty from the Enterprise, right? Just beam the attacker down already loaded for bear. And as soon as he finally, you know, fully materializes, he's going to pop off a shot and then you're going to do X, Y, Z. And then, you know, technique's over and then it's your turn to punch him or whatever, right? Um, so, uh, you know, we want to do a bunch of those things. Um, uh, you know, obviously we, we did some meditation, right? Because we, we wanted to put meditation in perspective with, look, there's three basic types of meditation. It's practice. It's, it's, these are kata, right? For honing certain types of, certain functions of mind, right? Three basic functions of mind, three fundamental or basic types of meditation. I don't mean the different practices because I have no idea how many different types of practices there are, but every practice focuses on one or more of those functions or practices to transition and switch between between these functions, right? What I thought was important is even for somebody who's been meditating for a long time, one, that they know that there's more than just whichever one they've been doing, right? But two, to relate it to self-protection, right? And and being distance-based, right? Did Was that new for you or have I discussed that in the past? Mm. I think you, I might have caught it a little bit in the past, but it's been a while. Okay. So, you know, at a certain range, you need to be in Zen mind so that uh, you're not in your own head when he's punching you in the face, right? Um, at a certain point, right, you've got time. So you can assess, you can, you can analyze, you can get some insight, right, about how he moves, how he's holding his body parts, um, how his clothing may or may not, um, uh, you know, work well with the environment or the ground that we're on or, you know, the, the floor, uh, you know, whatever, right? All these things, what kind of energy intent do you get? So, um, I mean, obviously you're not talking to yourself, but you're doing this, you know, this assessment. And if you don't, if you're in Zen mind, then you're wasting a good, an opportunity, right? And then we took a look at that visualization and all that kind of stuff, which I'm, I, you know, I harp on this with my long distance guys, because as solo students, you know, a, a lot of these folks are struggling to get training partners. Um, and I think one of the biggest benefits that I can bring to students is that I've been a solo training student my entire my entire training career, right? Uh, because of military or whatever. And so, uh, you know, there wasn't internet, there wasn't all this stuff, right? So 
go to a seminar, load up notebooks, come home, just like, just like I do when I go to Japan, right? Which reminds me, um, Japan opens next month if everything works out well. I'm going to give it probably a good two months because we'll be moving into fall, uh, fall, you know, late summer, early fall. Make sure, you know, COVID stuff doesn't creep back up again. Make sure it looks like Japan's going to stay open. And then I'm going to pop a, a Japan trip, uh, at least one, uh, in 23. So that'd be cool. But we're also looking at all kinds of other trips, right? Um, training oh, yeah. week, stuff like that. Yeah, we're looking at, like, things to Bahamas. We're looking to, to Costa Rica. We're looking at, like, very, very immersive kind of stuff. We want to get our our spring, fall camps, maybe even Dicomio side, back to what they originally started off as, right? actual camps because we have we have a couple of camps near where we are that we can rent for a weekend or a long weekend or whatever and then when people register they're coming in for the for the weekend meals are included it's an overnight thing we can work in like night stealth exercises it's an immerse it's an immersion weekend right uh we're also looking at a cruise at the moment right a training cruise where uh we'll have class times uh, on, the, on each day, unless we're in port or whatever, right? But there'll be this balance between training and, you know, relaxation and all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff used to abound way back in the 80s um, because you, you wanted to put – one, one of the tricks, and this comes from Mikio as well, but one of the things that really works psychologically for people is to change environment, Right. Change the whole context. Right. So that their head is actually you actually wake up more. Right. Because you're you're not thinking about your day to day tasks. You're not thinking about having to bring milk home after class. You're not thinking about uh, work the next day. You're not whatever. Right. You're actually in this immersive environment and everything is different. Everything is changed. Right. For the better. Right. But it it wakes people up. It's one of the reasons why when people come into the dojo and this is how I explain it to people, you know, we have you bow at the door. We have you bow in, we have you bow out. Right. Uh, we, we, everybody's used to wearing martial arts uniforms, but the very fact that you're wearing a, uh, Kikogi or a dogi, right. Um, is you don't normally dress that way. Right. So people put that kind of stuff on. It's kind of like putting on your Sunday best or whatever, you know, if you're involved in other religious activities or whatever. Right. Um, that you dress a certain way because it affects your mindset, right? Uh, I remember going through a, a, a business development program for three years, right? And um, every day, right? I mean, it was it was just a, a, a phone call, like our, our our weekly coaching calls. They were just yeah. telecalls. Nobody saw each other, right? But I dressed in business attire before I, you know, and then hopped on the, the call and stuff because I wanted my head to be there, you know, as opposed to kicking back in my pajamas because nobody, nobody was going to see, you know, except that the way we dress, the way we carry ourselves, the environment we put ourselves in, all of those things affect how we do things, right? And if I, if I want to change habit patterns, I have to change habit patterns. And if I can't change the simple ones that I had easy control over, how the hell am I going to change the ones that are going to make the these huge quantum differences, right? These huge quantum leaps, right? So very, very different, right? So anyway, I still haven't remembered what I was going to talk about earlier, but um, 
I just couldn't remember if I was if I mentioned it during a coup or whatever, but hopefully it'll come back. And that little statement right there was me seeding my subconscious to hopefully reach back in and pull it back out again. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we've got like tons and tons of plans. Right. But anyway, let's get back to let's get back to the session, because um, some folks, you know, uh, we had uh, Jeffrey Fletcher on. Uh, he's he's in almost every one of our Friday virtual things. Mm-hmm. Right. Shows up for the whiteboard Wednesday thing and then takes advantage of that class at the end of the week. And um, you know, he's on the West Coast. Right. He couldn't fly in. I mean, his work schedule, he's got two jobs. Work schedule was just horrendous. Right. But he was there for the entire 14 hours, right, over the weekend, right? Huge difference, right? Um, but anyway, uh, and then we've got some people that, that bought the videos, right? So they're going to get – they'll have better reference when they get these things and all that. Um, and I don't know what we're going to do with them afterwards. I may split them up and, and use them as individual uh, kind of lessons or whatever. But, um, but anyway, let's get back to this goal-setting kind of thing because um, – uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of not just hype there's a lot of belief out there right whether it's about ninjutsu in general about martial arts about success about goal setting whatever um that a lot of these things just start to become clichés right um uh, what was the reaction of most people when we met, when uh, Shoshi Whistler mentioned um, New Year's resolutions? <laughs> See that, yeah, it, right. Almost everybody laughed. Yeah, right. right. Have you set one? Yes. How long did it last? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Sensei McLaurin said something like uh, it lasted as long as it took for me to like go to sleep and wake up the next morning, kind of thing. You know. Um, because it's become a, almost a social cliche, right? It's something you do because it's cultural, but how many people actually stick to it? Oh, I know what it was. Thanks, it's back, right? Um, training like this, right? 95% of people are not going to move in this direction, right? So what we're really looking at doing is focusing in on a certain type of student who has a certain mindset and uh, and a certain focus, right? Um, because everybody out there, everybody and their friggin' brother, right, is out there teaching Seon and Kyogi and Kyonapo and whatever, right? Uh, and that's all great, right? But that's like going to a grocery store and walking down the uh, the spaghetti sauce aisle, right, and looking at how many different versions, right? I know they're brands, but how many ways can you put the same damn ingredients together, right, and come up with something special, right, or come come up with something different, right? Every once in a while, somebody will decide, you know what, shit, I'm going to get a whole bunch of cookbooks, find these recipes or search online or whatever, and experiment until I find the one that's that's perfect for me, right, that, that does what I'm, you know, what, and, you know, this is not about spaghetti sauce, but whatever. So, um, but anyway, let's get back to this. Um, so, you know, there's just new year's resolutions, right? So what you, what you do is you decide, you know, what your new you is going to be for the year. And that lasts for, it's been our experience. Even if we do a, a new year's kickoff program, right? The average person doesn't stick with it for more than 
three weeks, right? May go to a month and a half, depending on the program. But, oh, before the second month, you know, most have dropped off, right? Uh, that three-year program I was talking about that I was in for business development stuff, right? Um, the the group that I used, and for anybody that, that uh, has ever read any of this stuff or is in business or might have done some research, um, I actually studied with uh, Michael Gerber's group, uh, big name in, in the business development consulting group. Um, he has this book called The E-Myth, right? E-Myth Revisited, that kind of thing, right? E, uh, e stands for entrepreneur or entrepreneurial, right? So the entrepreneurial myth. Like if I can just cut the boss out and I'll just make all the money, right? Because I'm already good at what I do, then I can, I'll just do this thing, right? Um, that's what most people think too when it comes to goal setting, right? I'm going to set the goal. I'm going to start off on this thing, but it's, and the other part's back, right? I think what I mentioned in the, in one, I don't think I mentioned in the Kuden, but either way, what I was talking about has, is how, Children of successful people, like highly successful people, right, are not taught the same things that everybody else is taught. And no, they're not taught to screw people over and all that kind of stuff, right? The lessons that they get and the paradigm that they're raised within, right, it's just very, very different, right? So uh, it's it's not about being average. It's not about being, I mean, I guess maybe they're average within their group or whatever, but the mindset from the very beginning is different, right? And so uh, if we want to be different, then not only do we have to act and all that kind of stuff, but we need to we need to model people that are doing what we want to be doing, right? So anyway, um, but let, let's jump into this this bag versus squa- uh, swag kind of thing because I think I I think I'm the one that threw the swag thing out because um, there was this thing and then there's this you know this other thing. Uh, but before we get there, like, let's look at the, one of these common models, right? The common goal setting model is that it uses this acronym SMART, right? S-M-A-R-T, right? So if you have a piece of paper, or you're taking notes or whatever, you just write this down the page, right? S-M-A-R-T. So S stands for specific, right? And I don't think people hear themselves and how nonspecific they are, right, when they do these things. Um, but at the same time, even if you are being specific, processes like this can become too academic, right? They're too, again, reasonable, right? So I want it to be specific, right? And M is what? Measurable, right? Because if we don't measure it, we don't have a deadline, uh, which is one of the biggest things that's missing uh, in these things. So between the specific and whatever, right? Um, when, do we, when are we going to achieve this by, right? What, what are the benchmarks, right? Because goals like I want to lose weight, I want to make more money, uh, I want to get my black belt, whatever, they all sound good, but how? How much? By when? Right? Where are you going to be when it happens? Right? So it's not that it's a bad framework. It's just, again, it leads to mediocrity, right? Um, it's another race to be normal or nor- race to be average but better, right? So if you can imagine better average or better normal, right? So, uh, A is, uh, what, what was A? Attainable or achievable. Yeah. Attainable or achievable. Right. Which also again, points to what reasonable, because as soon as you think of, well, it's attainable, it's reasonable. Right. Um, 
it's kind of like uh, one, one of the discussions we had during the session was uh, how people set goals after they get all their ducks in a row kind of thing, right? They don't bother setting it before they have to. Well, because, you know, I mean, no point in setting it until I'm, I'm pretty sure I can, you know, well, that's not a goal. It's a friggin' option, right? You know, so uh, I get this much time off work and I make this much money. And so what could, what can we do as a vacation or what can we do? How many days can I stay in Japan if I go for training? How many classes can I fit in or whatever based on that, that those, what they really are is limitations, right? Based on the confines of what I just did to myself, what can I afford time-wise, money-wise, whatever, right? And then I decide. So a family could, you know, somebody could go, well, I get this much time off work. I make this much money. And so, da, 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 da. hey, you know, we could afford to go to Disney for, you know, a week, right? Um, that's my goal. My goal is to go to Disney. But that's not a goal, right? That's an option, right? It's an option among a group of things that I could do based on the time and money and interests or whatever that I have, right? Um, but what it really comes down to is most people think that they have to have, like they can't set a goal until they have what's needed to accomplish it, right? Uh, oh, shit, now I'm back, right? The Elon Musk comment from uh, uh, during the hosting of Saturday Night Live. Did I do that during a coup den or did I, did I do that during a, a coaching call? So I told you it would come back. That was a coaching call. A coaching call? Okay. So uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? But Elon Musk uh, was a guest host on Saturday Night Live, right? Um, I didn't see it. I just watched a, a, a little snippet after the fact because I haven't watched Saturday Night Live since it was – since before it was, like, you know, not funny anymore um, because everything's become, like, political and, you know, all that kind of crap, right? So um, – you know, comedians are taking less and less risks and just, yeah, just bullshit. But anyway, you know, maybe they want to get punched in the face like Chris Rock did, you know. But he impressed the crap out of me because he stayed professional during the whole damn thing and somebody else lost his cool. And that's sad because for a year and a half to two years before that punch to the face, the aggressor was doing all kinds of videos on YouTube to help people grow grow out of that kind of bullshit mentality and and whatnot right and become a better person and he became infamous went from famous to infamous in what 30 seconds <laughs> but anyway elon musk came out and as a part of his opening he said uh to everyone i've offended right it, there was no apology to this right he said to everyone i've offended I have reinvented the electric car and I'm sending human beings to Mars. Did you really think I was just another chill guy? Right. So, you know, there's that. Right. So love him or hate him. It doesn't really matter. And and here's something that people need to get get. Right. I don't care if they need to pull their head out of their ass or they need to understand. Um. Highly successful people. It's not that they're sociopaths or whatever, right? But they're doing a lot of good in the world. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I was just thinking about this today. Um, 
the, the critics of really successful, wealthy people or whatever, right? Like this person did this, right? Gave this much money. And the first thing critics will do, and usually it's critics that don't have any money, right? Or they're not in that position or they're resentful or whatever. The first thing they say is, well, all this money the guy made, like he could afford to give it, give more, right? If it wasn't enough or whatever, right? Because what's, what's funny is that people that don't have enough, when they're criticizing somebody else who does have enough to do good in the world, it's never going to be enough, right? They, they could surrender all of their money and end up in the poor house and it still wouldn't have been enough, right? Because the reality is that the people that have the right lessons and the right skill sets can lose everything. And what's going to happen, James? They're going to build it back again in a short amount of time, right? Because they've got the skill sets, right? People don't make the connection between between uber successful people must know things that I don't know. And if I knew those things and properly applied them, isn't that what we want to do with our martial art, Right. I want to know things that the attacker doesn't know, so I have the advantage, right? I mean, that that's the point, right? But it's just too easy to condemn because, well, you know, he's a jack wagon, he's, he's a thief, he's a whatever. Well, okay, you know, uh, if that makes you sleep better at night, but it didn't increase the success you're having, it didn't, you know, it didn't didn't do anything, right? Other than keep you fuming about the fact that you don't have, right? So, but one of those things is goal setting, right? And and this was one of the things that we discussed, right? Um, Uber successful people don't think in terms of success or failure, right? Now, there's people that are riding success, but you can tell that they're riding it they're not they're not relaxed and just leveraging things right because as soon as something happens well first thing is these are the people as soon as they get more money more time whatever right they blow the money on stuff think uh athletes right one of the recent statistics i just saw was that 71 percent of professional athletes that make millions on their contracts right are poor within five years after they stop playing, right? And most are poor before that because they blew all their money on freaking cars and big ass houses and all that, that they're not going to be able to afford afterwards because they came from no money. They suddenly have money. The image was always, if I have money, I'm going to buy shit, right? And then, but they don't, they didn't, they don't have the knowledge, the skill sets or whatever to maintain it, sustain it and grow it. After, you know, the the prize money ran out. Same thing with people who win the lottery, all that kind of stuff, right? They just, because it's all about stuff, right? And uber successful people make a huge distinction between um, expenses and investment, right? Like a lot of people, I mean, you know, you, you, you help me out with all this stuff, right? So the number of emails that we get where people... They want this stuff because they're going to be able to do so much stuff with it, right? They're going to be able to protect their family, they're going to, whatever, right? 
But as soon as they see the cost of a program, where do they go in their head? Well, it's an expense. I can't afford that, right? But successful people, like I, I sent you an email, and it's something we're doing internally with growing the academy and all that kind of stuff, right? I sent you and the team an email today, and um, what was the what was the terminology? Like I just invested mm-hmm. in this yeah. thing, right? Because there's going to be a return on that, right? We're not going to sit on it. I just didn't like, you know, bought a DVD at the frickin' at Walmart or whatever that I'm going to watch once or twice, and it's going to sit on the damn shelf, right? This is stuff that we don't have, and it's some consulting help and all that kind of stuff to move things in a better direction. And, you know, we, we do what we're supposed to be doing. It's going to lever things. So uber-successful people make a huge distinction between something to, that's an expense. You buy it, but it does nothing for you other than make you feel good for a moment or whatever, right? And an investment, right? I'm getting this thing, and it's going to, it, it's going to you know, provide way more than I paid for it, right? Um, <laughs> a lot of people are not going to like this term, but uh, the way they think is, how do I make my money make babies? Right. Or how do I make my time? How do I leverage my time so I can do more with less? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all that kind of stuff. Right. So anyway. Um, so anyway, we're doing we're doing this thing. Right. So anyway, so there's smart. Right. So we have um, what we say specific, measurable. Um, what was the A? Um, attainable. Uh, attainable, achievable, that kind of thing. Right. Which, again, makes it reasonable. Right. You know, because you wouldn't want your next door neighbors or your friends, you know, the social group that you're in, you wouldn't want them to say shit like, oh, Mr. Moneypants or, you know, whatever, or start to ostracize you because you're stepping out of line, which is a very Japanese thing to do, right? That's why there's very few inventors that come out of Japan, right? Because you, you don't, like, when moms pack lunch for their kids to go to school, they would never put something in that lunch that everybody else doesn't have. Right. Because it's going to make them stand out. Right. It's, you know, you understand where I'm going with this. Right. Mm-hmm. So and it's not that they won't use a different brand or, a you know, different sandwich or whatever. But. You know, it's about social uh, social uh, or group homogeny. Right. It's not about, you know, like in the West, it's about individuality, but also working as a group and, and caring about your neighbor and stuff like that. Uh, it's very, very different, right? So, um, but it keeps going to reasonable. Everything keeps going to reasonable, right? Um, when, when we were talking about goals, how many people kind of looked uncomfortable because we started talking about no, no, because I, what, what I say, that word reasonable right there, I would put the letters UN before <laughs> right. reasonable, right? Because um, or uh, was it re- reasonable or was it what, what the hell was R? Um, it was reasonable. That's why. Yeah, you okay. Because everything keeps pointing to the same freaking word, right? Um, but I would put that in there because I don't think in terms of success and failure, right? I don't. If if something didn't work, first thing I do is go back and look at why it didn't work, 
right? I mean, if, if we didn't do that, can you imagine how many people would get to black belt level or beyond based on the number of failures they had in the classroom as white belts, right? Well, I, I, I tried using Ichimonji and it didn't work because, like, I got, I got tagged. So it doesn't work. Uh, no, it didn't work for you that time based on what you did. So what was it that you did and what is it that is being taught that does work, right? Um, one of the things that came up over the weekend, and I think I just tossed it out at one point, was, um, uh, you know, getting our head wrapped around the idea that if we're making mistakes, like with our techniques and all that, right, people often say, well, that doesn't work for me or, or that doesn't work or, you know, whatever, right? And I'm, I, I think what I said was, this art is still around because the stuff has worked again and again and again, not in a, not in an MMA ring, not in a, you know, tournament, not in a, you know, whatever, right? Um, in, in actual warfare, right? Thugs attacking in a back alley, whatever, right? So if we're still teaching this stuff, and I've used this stuff, I mean, um, the, there's a smaller percentage of us in, well, I don't care if it's in the Bujinkan or just in the martial arts world. And I'm not saying there's only half a dozen. I mean, percentage-wise, right? There's only a small percentage that's actually used what they're teaching against violent people on the street, right? I don't, I'm not sure if this came up during the weekend or not, where I talked about three different types of instructors, right? And all of them are good, right? They all can all teach the art, right? But you got the guy who made his black belt or whatever level, right? And he's teaching, but he's never been in a fight. He's never been attacked, anything like that, right? So he's got what he has, and he can teach you, right? Here's how to do these things, right? But he's going to teach very differently from the instructor who has a black belt or, again, whatever level, right, who got that belt because they've learned this stuff, but they've been in fights. They've been attacked. But this person that I'm talking about, They've got fight or attack or survival experience, but they haven't used what they're teaching in that context, right? And that person is different from the instructor who has learned this stuff, they're teaching this stuff, they have fight experience or they've been attacked and whatnot, and they've used what they're teaching on the street, right? It's not that all of them can't teach the art, but how they teach is going to come from a different level of experience, right? Once like a coach or instructor, they're passing on data. They can still teach you what you need to know, but there's going to be certain elements that are going to be missing, which is what we cover with the psychology, right? One of the things we covered was um, the, the problem that I see with the way people disconnect at the end of a technique, right? You remember that, right? The way they disconnect. Um, I'll see people and, and, you know, I can remember when I did this stuff until my teacher, you know, pointed it out. And then I had to think about how I responded in actual real situations, right? That I see people disconnecting mentally as soon as their partner starts falling to the ground, right? A lot of them don't even back up away and create distance to assess, to see what's going to happen next from a safe position. They just mentally disconnect 
And like one of the no-nos in my teacher's dojo, several teacher's dojos was when you drop your partner, right? And you're getting back up. You don't put your hand out to help him back up, right? Because it creates a false habit, right? Or a bad habit, right? And I know a lot of people would say, well, I wouldn't do that to the bad guy. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day, right? uh, This was out of Shinoshi Malmstrom's dojo. We had somebody come in uh, who had been attacked. uh, Well, not it was an attack, right? Held up at knife point at a bus stop in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. Um, he came in and, and one of the other fellow students as well, because they were on their way to class. And so they came in and here's the story, right? And neither of them, it, it didn't click in their head. But what happened was this guy pulls out his knife and says, give me all your money. Right. And my one fellow student, right. Smacks his arm, takes the knife away. Right flips it over and hands it back to him and says, get the hell out of here. Right. And the guy took off and ran. Luckily. Right. What the hell? Right. Because. Every class you do the disarm and then you hand it to him so he can attack you again or whatever. Right. As opposed to backing off, setting the knife down, the training knife down on the on the floor or backing out, mentally disengaging from attacker-defender role, and then coming back in and doing things, right? So one of the things we covered was giving yourself the three-second rule after you take them down or you knock them away from you or whatever, and you back out, and we're going to pay attention to everything he's doing for two to three seconds. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. It doesn't, what I say, it doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter if my partner gets this lesson or not. It doesn't matter if he starts telling a joke. It doesn't matter if he starts talking about the technique. It doesn't matter if he calls the the the, uh, the instructor over. It doesn't matter if he says, hey, i got to go to the bathroom or whatever. I don't care what he's doing. I'm training my brain and, and rewiring synaptic pathways to pay attention to what they're doing so that I'm not disengaging at the wrong time. So that in that gap, in that bad distance, a real attacker could re-engage. Meanwhile, you're taking a freaking vacation, right? Because, you know, technique's over. I dropped the guy to the ground. Next thing you know, he's wrapped around your ankles. You're down on the ground. He's crawling up your body. All kinds of crap is going on, right? But you thought the fight was over. Well, you thought wrong. How will you know? Well, we're freaking ninja. Gather information, right? So anyway, right, uh, let's go back to smart. Because uh, anybody can do any of these things, but I, I want to point out a huge difference, right? So what do we have? We have uh, specific, we have measurable, we have achievable, we have realistic, right? Um, and we have, uh, what was T? Timely. What's that? Timely. Timely, right? <clears throat> you set a deadline, that kind of thing, right? Because... Um, one of the rules of time management is whatever amount of time you give yourself, the task will take that long plus 20%, right? So I always short change my, my deadlines and I work like hell to make it in that amount of time. Cause if I do shit, I can move on to the next thing, right? But if obstacles and stuff get in the way, I have the leeway to still get it within 
a reasonable amount of time, right? Yeah. Anyway, so reasonable, right? Um, anyway, so, but this is like the standard thing, right? Um, uh, and then, um, uh, Shoshi Whistler was pointing out his thing, which we'll get to it, which is that BHAG for those of you who remember what the slide said, right? And, uh, I, I must have come out like in the middle of that where he was going over it and, uh, you guys were talking about it. And I said, well, that's way different than what most people do. Most people do swag, right? And, uh, I don't care if you, I, if you translate the S, S-W-A-G, right? Uh, I actually got this from a consultant friend and mentor who was helping me, um, in the corporate consulting world, right? To, to describe things. And it was really funny. We were in, uh, where the hell were we? We were in Tennessee because we had gone to consult with, uh, Nissan North America, right? So, uh, it's after a long day of doing some things with them and we're at dinner and we're chatting about, uh, like the problems, right? That, that you run into. And one of those is a, a consultant can never allow themselves to be treated like a subcontractor, like an employee that's just temporary, right? You're going to come in. They're going to tell you what the problem is. They're going to tell you what they need, and they're going to pay you to do what they wanted. And then when that shit falls on its face, they're going to blame you because that didn't work, but you were the consultant, right? Um, I, I make two assumptions when I go into places. One, uh, they have a problem that they can't solve. Two, they can't solve it because they don't have the resources in-house to solve that. So they need me to come and help with insight and all that kind of stuff, right? So I never let myself become uh, a commodity or an employee, right? So I'm in there as a partner. But one of the first things we run into with senior VPs or the CEO himself or herself or whatever, right, is they start telling us what they think the problem is. And my answer is always, even if they, even if they're right, I can't say for sure we're going to have to do an assessment so I can go through several different things and look at it to make sure that that's right. Right? Because otherwise we're going to be running down the wrong rabbit hole. We've talked about this in the Kuden uh, episodes. We've talked about this in our coaching calls and all that. How you define your training, right? How you think something is done, what you think the, the Japanese masters or whatever are describing. Remember that this is a Japanese approach to these trainings, right? The way we've been getting it. It's a Japanese approach based on the way Japanese people think about things and Japanese history and that kind of stuff, right? And then we're going to hear a word that may or may not be a good translation. And that goes for the same for the guys that are doing Kung Fu and all that, right? You're going to get this, this word or this translation, and then based on what you think they're talking about, right, you're going to follow that down some kind of rabbit hole, which might turn out to be a fire ant hole instead of a rabbit hole, but either way, right? So um, it's, it's, it's a trap, right? It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to conform your training, right? Because of that assumption, right? So, but there's assessment, right? There's this back and forth and trying it out and making sure that, that you're where you're supposed to be. But anyway, we're, we're at this, we're, we're having dinner, right? And he goes, you know, we can't allow ourselves, we can't allow ourselves to become this thing, right? And they want help, right? They absolutely want help, but 
what they what they're trying to buy, right? Which we cannot allow them to buy because you know sometimes you know your income can be low or whatever, so you might be you know really yeah you know I got I got to get this account kind of thing or whatever, right? But you can't let yourself slip into buying into their need to buy swag. And I looked at him and I went, swag? Because <laughs> I thought glitter and all that. And he goes, you know, a scientific wild-ass guess. Right? Because <laughs> they want it to sound good. They want it to sound scientific. They want it to sound like you're thinking. But without that assessment, that's that's what we're doing. We're going to freaking throw something out there and give it a shot. Right? Can you can you imagine doing that on the street? Right? Let's just you know, that's how fighters think, right? Especially the tough guys, right? That that rise to every challenge. Right? Well, shit, let's see what happens. Right? But if you could, you know, if you if you knew that you were in a situation that wasn't a contest that you stand a really good chance of going to the ER or going to the morgue, right? Or to stop this person from doing what they're going to do. Or even if they kill you, your family's next kind of thing, right? Um, and you might have to do that. Would your head be, would your head be on differently? I think so, right? Um, but anyway, right? So there's this, I think what I said during the, the training was it was a, what I say, simple wild ass guess. What I say it was something like that. It was, something uh, like that. yeah, something like a, anyway, but, but I, I shortened it because, uh, that's, that's how I see most people doing goals, right? They throw it out there and they say that's, that's, that's what they want. But rarely, if ever, do people build a plan that they're going to follow, right? Because the plan should be minor goals. Because I don't worry about the goal. Once I set a goal, I'm not worried about the goal. I'm worried about the stepping stones that I need to achieve that will make that happen automatically, right? So it's very different, right? But they just, like, toss something out. Um, New Year's resolution is a good example again, right? Somebody will come up with a New Year's resolution because they're in a group, you know, family get together, whatever, and everybody's tossing out their, their New Year's resolutions or somebody will ask them, what's your New Year's resolution? And they'll toss something out because they think they should, right? They're not even half-hearted about it. They're just, they're going to toss it out so it sounds good. But how is that going to change your life? How is getting this thing? going to make a huge difference, right? Or is it just something you want, right? Is it a goal or is it a want? Is it an expense? Is it an investment, right? Because if you're focusing on certain things a certain way, the way you focus on it will depend on, you know, if I have to spend money on something, right? Is it something that I want because I want it? Or is it something I want because I need it because it's a leverage point to get where I'm going, right? Okay, so if I want a job that's farther away than two miles, because that's realistic walking distance, 
without showing up looking like I need a freaking shower and a change of clothes, right? I need a car. If I don't have a car, then what do I need? I need a whole bunch of friends who are willing to do whatever they need to do to make sure I get my happy ass to work, right? And I have to do things and say things and whatever, right? To make sure that this little relationship doesn't get screwed up, right? Let me let me change the way I said that. I need to make sure I don't piss them off so that they don't give me a ride to work, right? Okay? So I need a car, right? A car's not an expense. A car is an investment because, to me, a car is freedom, right? But how reliable, whatever. And I get it, right? When some people go, since you don't understand because, you know, what? They're implying that I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth and all that. Um, these are all hard-earned lessons, right? So we need to be careful with what we say. And and the problem is the same thing that that happens with, with, with the physical techniques, right? If we keep going to come by a certain way, let's say we're leaning back or asses sticking out or whatever, right? We end up developing a habit that is we're going to have like uh, uh, somebody was talking about talking to today, right? You make the wrong decision at a fork in the road. You take the wrong one. It's not that easy to just like jump over to the other side. You got to backtrack, right? To get back to where you needed to be and then go on the other one, like missing a turn on, you know, on the, on the, the interstate or on the, uh, the turnpike or something, right? You miss a freaking exit and the next one's not for 30 miles, right? And then you need to backtrack to go in the right direction, right? So how much extra time did it take, right? So, uh, you know, we, we need to be, we need to be careful with that, but we developed this, this habit. But one of the points during the weekend, uh, when it came to the psychology, whether we're talking about goal setting or what we need to be doing when we're training or whatever is whatever we do most often is what your body and your brain keep springing back to until you change the habit. And changing the habit is not a matter of willing yourself to change, right? You have to do something over and over and over again, running the same process so that your brain literally disconnects the old neural network and rebuilds one so that that becomes the new habit. And this is the same for goal setting. That's why my teachers uh, in this art always said, you know, you don't need to build a Taj Mahal. Start small and do things, right? But, you know, you need to you need to make your own system work for itself, right? So uh, before I cross over to the bag thing, right, uh, and I, this one came up during the, during the class, we really honed in on the whole realistic, right? Because people tend to think in terms of succeed or fail, right? If they don't make it, they don't realize the goal, then they fail. Uber successful people never see things that way, right? They attain the goal or they fell short, right? But that doesn't mean they stop working on realizing the goal in its entirety or that's become such a foregone conclusion. They've already like jumped onto the next big thing, right? Um, so, uh, so, when, when we're working on these things and this, this realistic kind of thing comes up, right? Um, 
we need to we need to work through it, right? We need to keep working on things so that that becomes the natural thing. When when a when a youth comes into our our dojo for an intro uh, class, uh, one of the things I do during an intro uh, is teach them, you know, a, a soki ken, right? A rising shin kick, right? So uh, I'll have them, I'll have them stand in basically a ready position, right? And I'll say, uh, okay, so we're gonna do the simple thing. Just show me where your shin is, so I I know we're in the right place, right? We're gonna lift that like we're kicking somebody in the in the hmm, right? Um, but before you do that, right? Before we kick, what I want you to do is take one of your hands and I want you to hold it out in front of you at the highest point that you think you can kick. Right? And you can see their eyes kind of shifting and whatever, and they'll they'll hold their hand out and I'll go, okay, so remember that spot. I'm gonna remember that spot. And I take this target, right? And we start at the belt level, and I say, we're gonna start here and then we'll keep rising up until we get to this point where you said you could kick, right? And sometimes they'll put their, their hand out and and then they'll lower it or they're vacillating in there or whatever, right? And so uh, we'll do the kick, right? They'll kick and I'll say, okay, belly button level, kick. Okay, good. High stomach, low chest level, kick. Okay, mid chest, kick. Okay, here's about where you said you could kick, right? So kick that. Oh, okay, right? And most of them, as soon as we get to there, they start making noises or like, you know, they'll say, well, I hope so, or, oh, I don't know, or whatever. And, and, and next thing you know, I mean, they're kicking it because they were already doing well to that. And I only raised it like that much, right? And they kick it. And I go, okay, great. Let's go higher, right? So we'll go to shoulder level, right? And, you know, they, again, making noises and all that. They kick it. I go, okay, the angle's a little off for a shin kick. So now you can just use your foot, toes, whatever. I don't care how hard you kick it, whatever, right? Just Just touch it, right? So, okay, shoulder level, boom, chin level, boom, nose level, boom, forehead. And for most people, I can get a, just above the, the level of their head, and they're able to touch the target. For some, because of flexibility and whatnot, they can't. But most go way beyond what they originally assumed. And then I'll make a joke. I'll go, ah, you lied to me, right? And they'll look all coy and sheepish and, and whatnot, and I'll go, Actually, I do this to adults too, right? And I'll go, nah, actually, I lied. This had nothing to do with kicking. This had to do with goal achievement and uh, success, okay? And so here's the thing, right? Most people, including most adults, set goals for themselves that are way lower, if they set goals at all, right? But they set goals way lower than they can actually achieve, and they do it for one of two reasons. One, they do it because they're afraid of failure or more, more likely what they're afraid of most what other people will say if they fail. Two, they, they don't know, right? So they pick something, but they pick something that seems reasonable. And there we are, back to reasonable again, right? But it's our job as instructors to challenge somebody, right? To challenge a student and give them, and we have it wired into our curriculum, right? So to challenge them to go beyond what they think they can do, but with some work and the right thing. Even the guys that have, you know, the, the flexibility and whatnot, right? Just do some freaking hip and some lower back stretches. Your leg will go higher, right? I mean, unless you're, a, you're living the 600-pound life and you've got a third of your body hanging out in front of your freaking pelvis, you know, you can, you can lift your legs, right? So 
Um, but if it's a youth, I'll look over at the parents and say, my goal is to help your child develop a mindset where they are willing to set a goal and not have any idea how they're going to make it. But one thing they are sure of is that they'll figure it out, right? And that leads us into this bag thing, right? Okay. So I might as well jump to that so we don't bore people and put them to sleep and all that. But um, so we'll go down through the, the bag thing here because in mine, right, uh, I have a chief aim statement, right, uh, before I even get to my 19 affirmations, right? And um, one of the words in my affirmations and in my chief aim statement is bodacious, right? And I know that's not in the BHAG uh, acronym, but I like that word. Unfortunately, most people think of bodacious as like big bodacious, whatever, right? They think of it in a negative context or they think that somebody's a big bodacious liar or whatever, when really bodacious is like bigger than freaking imaginable, right? I mean, it was like huge to the, to the surprising level, right? And so, but anyway, right? So B-H-A-G, right? We're just pronouncing it bag. So it rhymes with swag, right? I don't care how you, how you pronounce it, right? But, um, we're going to test James again, right? So, uh, again, if you wrote down on a piece of paper, right? Again, this is just an alternate way of doing things. You can, everybody on this, uh, uh, listening to this or whatever, if you're listening to this, I don't care if you're on Apple Tunes or, uh, Apple Podcast or whatever that's called these days, Stitcher Radio or whatever, right? Um, or you're online. I don't care, right? I'm going to tell you the same thing my teachers told me. You're a grown up. You can do whatever you want. Okay. The question is, is what you're doing producing the results that you want? And I got to tell you, no amount of blaming other people for being successful, getting in your way or whatever, changes the fact that your program's not working to the degree that it will produce the results that you say you want. And if you let it go long enough, you're going to end up being an angry, pissed off, resentful human being. But... You know, it is what it is, right? So, all right, James, uh, just based on what was taught during the session, right, what's B? Big. Big. That was simple, right? Big. Now, we're talking about, like, you know, well, instead of going to Disney World, for, or instead of going to Disneyland, I'm going to go to Disney World, uh, and instead of going for a week, we're going to go for two weeks, right? Is that what we're talking about? No. What are we talking about? Well, that would just be a be a choice that you make about that big is like bigger than to me it's like bigger than pretty much imaginable i mean it just yeah, fits we'll, into the hole we'll keep building on this right okay right. what's the h harry harry right <laughs> think monster think big hairy you know whatever right something that's going to you know put the fear of god in you something that's going to really really freaking challenge you or something that's going to make you go holy shit do i really want to do that kind of like you know getting into a wrestling ring with some guy that's like 300 pounds overweight and is just covered with hair and he's all sweaty and stuff right <laughs> right <laughs> because you know what most people most people are all about goal setting until they get comfortable right because they don't need the other thing anymore. See, I need to attain my goals because one of my goals, one of the things that will really do it for me. See, I'm not a big fan of donating 
to non-charitable organizations. And I know how that, that's going to sound all wrong to a lot of people. Do you know why I don't, I don't, I don't want to be doing that kind of thing? Because a huge chunk of whatever you give gets, doesn't go to that cause. It goes to like admin. 90% of what I donate is not going to the cause, right? It's paychecks and supplies and Mm -hmm. advertising. Okay. How much does the freaking advertising cost every time one of those save the children or whatever, right? The SPCA, whatever ads pop on your TV. That came out of your donations, right? So they can get more donations from other people. You want my money? I've already told them on the phone. You want my money? You promised me to relocate, relocate people that are eating dirt in Appalachia or in Somalia or whatever. You're going to relocate them to a place where they have job opportunities and give them training? Shit, I'll give you money. But that doesn't that doesn't allow for them to be successful because if they did that and solved the problem, what do these people have to do? Go get a fucking real job, right? <laughs> right? Because, you know, anyway. So, but a part of my thing, one of my affirmations is I enjoy uh, building schools and places of spiritual development in repressed areas of the world to elevate people in knowledge, potential, and happiness. So they can do it for themselves, right? To change their states, right? I'm not going to be able to do that on, you know, $50,000 a year, $25,000 a year. Okay? So um, I know lots of people are going to resent it, change their opinions about me or whatever, but you know what? I don't care. Right? I don't care. They're also going to say when I did that, well, shit, dude, you could donate more and build four schools. Uh, see, my head's wrapped around way more than four schools, so I'm okay with that, right? And I'm not saying these things to knock other people or say that their goals aren't big enough or whatever, but I got to tell you that my goals are so freaking big and so freaking hairy, they don't just make other people's eyebrows go up, right? They make my head spin because now I got to figure out how the hell I'm going to do that, right? But most people try to figure out the how before they establish the goal because that's what they were taught, right? And other things too, like you can't have your cake and eat it too and other bullshit like that, right? Um, why bother having cake if you can't eat it? Why, you know, whatever, right? So we have big, hairy, A? Audacious. Audacious, Right. For the cheap seats, what does audacious mean? Uh, I would call it like like a like a bold, like yeah. way out there, daring bold. Kind of a, which is why, like for me, I don't use the bag kind of thing. I just go big, scary, bodacious goals, right? Because that, that sums up all of these things, right? But I get to throw my favorite word in there, right? Bodacious, right? Um, but that doesn't make for a good acronym, right? Hasipidi Buddha, right? Buddha, right? So, but anyway, right? So, audacious and then G is goals, right? So, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Um, and one of the things we talked about was... If you mention your goal to other people and they agree with it and think it's a good idea, 
It's not big enough. Right? It's not big enough. But we also talked about two types of people that you're going to run into, right, that I, most people are not willing. They're, they're willing to navigate toward one, but they're not willing to navigate toward the other. Right? So what's one? So I'm testing you. It's a pop quiz. We just came out of a weekend. It's only one freaking day later. Let's see if you remember, right? So what, what's one of the uh, people that you want to avoid? The detractors. Detractors. The ones that tell you you're wrong, right? So, and while Shidoshi Whistler talked about, one, there's way more of them than there's anybody else, right? But they come in many flavors. He kind of grouped them into one one group. I see them in, in a couple of different things, right? So you have you have um, uh, just strangers. I, I remember getting out of the military. I was a military policeman for seven years, undercover investigator, all that kind of stuff, right? I had the skill base, and that's when I started consulting. I started doing just security consulting, not super, you know, niche down like I do now with, with um, workplace violence, but just, just security, right? And I was a consultant, right? And I started telling everybody, I'm a consultant, right? And so – my parents were a different kind of detractor, right? But I'm, I'm having uh, lunch with them at this restaurant, um, just a little diner kind of thing, right? And one of their friends comes up and, you know, hey, our son's home from the military and everything, and uh, you know, whatever, right? And so it was obvious that they already had this conversation, right? My parents were trying to be nurturing, but anyway, right? So, um this woman says, oh, so what are you going to do for a living? And I said, oh, not doing. I'm or not going to. I'm already doing it. I'm a consultant. And she goes, oh, so you don't have a job. The hell does that mean? Right. So that's a stranger. I don't even know this person. Right. I mean, other than their name. And now they're an asshole on my list. Right. Because they just made this snap decision. Right. But you have these people that, that you don't even know. Right. And, you know. They see what you're doing or whatever, call you crazy, whatever, right? And then you have friends and family, okay? And these people really do act out of love and concern, right? Because they don't want to see you fail, but they haven't learned this stuff, right? So, holy shit, now they're scared for you because they don't see anything other than you getting a rude awakening Losing all your money, wasting a whole bunch of time, whatever, right? Um, you'd be lucky if you find somebody like my wife. My wife met me first on. I toss out this thing, show her a plan and whatnot, and she goes, awesome. Now, she has the same look on her face that I'm hiding inside, but I also trust that if she if – she, sees major concerns, she'll just ask questions, right? Have you thought about this, this, this? Yep, that's right here, right? Um, but usually what she asks is, oh, do you need my help with anything? Because she trusts me, right? But friends and family, holy shit, they're, you know, because they don't want you to, they're, the first thing in their head, when you, when you pull out a bag, right, a, this big, hairy, audacious goal, right, all they see is, oh, man, you're going to go down in flames. Holy shit. We don't want to see you wreck yourself. We don't want to see you put a gun in your mouth because you hit depression, whatever, right? I mean, it really is out of love, right? And there is a third type. And there are people that have either tried and gave up quickly, 
or are on the rise and don't have the belief system that there's enough to go around for everybody, right? And so you're a threat, right? And so they're going to go out of their way, right? Because you got the idiots that will just call you names. you got your family that's going to try to get in your way because they need you to not fail, right? Because they love you, right? But then you got these other people that will do whatever they can, right, to shut you down. So detractors, right? What's the other ones that most people gravitate to, but they would never think of as an impediment? Cheerleaders. Oh, right. Right? Cheerleaders, right? They're the ones that are like, yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Go for it. But there's no offer to help. There's no um, – and if you do fail, right, um, what you usually hear from these people is, that's okay, dude. Love you anyway, right? You know, whatever, okay? Um, I think we've talked about uh, this one before, and I, I typically don't name names or whatever, but uh, – and you're working through some of his material as well. But one of these mentors that I'm working through that most people wouldn't bother to listen to because of his language and, and how he just – he'll just freaking break you down to build you up because what he's trying to do is get rid of the bullshitters, right? And you better be really freaking intent. He will help you go from A to Z. But he needs to move all the freaking tire kickers and the wannabes and the easily, uh, you know, the easily um, stopped or whatever out of the way. Right. Um, but he, you know, he's he's the one who always says, uh, show me your friends, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Right. Or look at your five closest friends and what you guys do together. Right. You're the average of those five. Right. And then most people won't do anything to upset those five or the five. Right. Hey, dude, we're going out and do whatever. Right. And, you know, you know, you should be working on this thing or you should be practicing or whatever. And what do you do? Oh, I can do that tomorrow. Right. I, don't, I think you know this, but I have turned down really freaking good jobs in my life because it was going to interfere with my training. Because I had this goal, and it had nothing to do with rank or whatever. It had to do with a certain level of achievement um, that I, I had to get to, right? I had to have these abilities. And there were seminars and whatnot that my teacher had in place and in certain places of the world and all that. And my employment, one of the requisites was it had to provide enough money that I could take care of my family and get my training, right? So I didn't just take anything that came along because, well, you know, I think a certain way about myself and I'm not worth anything more. Uh, that's what's available, uh, whatever, right? Um, and you know, the reality is that you set a goal and you may not have everything you need, right? I may move along for my goal and I realize, because, ah. I mean, we hit this point where obviously the stuff that we were doing five years ago isn't working the same, right? COVID changed everything and all that, right? So instead of spinning my wheels, I mean, we're moving along and we hit a certain point. We're doing really, really well, get this idea, right? And, you know, that worked and school's, you know, growing and all that kind of stuff. And then hit a point where I had to realize I don't know this chunk of information. So I start to go looking for information. And then next thing you know, I realize, okay, Here's all this stuff, 
but I could either reinvent the wheel or I could hire this person who doesn't just teach it. And that's, that's most people's problems, right? They're in a hurry to find somebody who looks and sounds like they know what they're talking about and is cheap enough that they're willing to pay, but they never stop to ask the question, is this person producing the same kind of results they're promising me with their own, with what they're doing, right? Where's the proof? Where's the proof that you know what the hell you're talking about, right? Other than, well, your Ichimonji looks like everybody else's, so you must know what you're talking about, okay? Well, fantastic, right? But any monkey can freaking mimic moves, right? So, but anyway, right? So I, I had to shift into this thing. So we're not really in a holding pattern because as soon as I get these couple of pieces, we're off to the races. I just need to make sure the working parts are, are where they need to be, right? So, and that was worth an investment, right? So, uh, you know, so it is where it is, right? But uh, you were you were there in at the beginning of January where I, I unleashed my goals for the year, which I think for most people, because I even told this consultant, right? I, just one of them, right? The the number of dojo by the end of the year, right? And here we are in almost at the end of May, right? He goes, oh, I love big bold goals because, and I knew that we meshed as soon as he said. Because most people think in terms of uh, success or failure, but high achievers think in terms of set the damn goal as big as you can make it, like where you even think you're crazy. But if you fall, if you if you don't make it, look how much farther ahead you are than the guy who set the reasonable goal, right? So most people set their goal. I mean. In all honesty, you've seen the emails. Most people set their goal uh, in in Nijisu not at black belt. They set their goal at I've always wanted to train in Nijisu, right? And, and that's the same across the martial arts world, right? I think we even mentioned that during Shoshi Whistler's thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Most people are like, uh, you know, I want to train in the martial arts. Shit, call up a dojo and ask if you can come and take a free class. You've taken the free class. You're done. Goal accomplished. Right. And I I don't think people understand how that kind of mentality keeps them where they are. Mediocre at best. Right. But average is I've always wanted to. And then all you have to do. Right. Um, You know, he he made the analogy and everybody laughed where, you know, I want to be anywhere but here. (laughs) And he and I both said the same thing at the same time, didn't we? Take a step to the left. (laughs) <laughs> well that's not what i meant when yeah i know but what you say and how you define it makes all the difference right what do you mean by not here not living in this town not in this state of being not in this financial state not what what do you mean because you if and again smart works but only if you're properly applying it because otherwise it's a cliche, right? Set specific, measurable, achievable, realistic goals or, uh, uh, and timely, uh, goals. Those of you on Apple podcasts can't see this. <laughs> Just come on, man. You know, um, 
laziness just is not going to get anybody anywhere. You know, most people think think about Nijutsu and all the stuff that's involved, not Budo Taijutsu, because that was just a transition over time. You give something big, even even uh, there, there was a book um, for anybody that's interested in uh, reading about Buddhism or anything like that. Right. There was a, a book written at the at the early parts of the 19 uh, 1900s. It's just titled Buddhism. Right. And the author's name is Christmas Humphreys, like the holiday Christmas Humphreys. Right. And he makes a really, really good point in that book. And he's talking about the transition of things, because in the very beginning of, of the, the, the movement. Right. And again, only in the West do people use the term Buddhism. Right. In the rest of the world that where that's prevalent, they don't call themselves Buddhists. They call themselves seekers of the truth, seekers of the Dharma. Right. The what is. Right. But. In the beginning, I mean, you had to be freaking uber dedicated. There were very specific kind of things. You had to leave your home, go off to the freaking mountains, the forest, whatever, right? Get away from things so that you could focus, right? It was not easy. I mean, risk starving to death. You risk dying of, uh, you know, malnutrition or or um, of uh, dehydration, uh, wild animals, all kinds of stuff, right? Um and that was that was hard enough, right? And then you know there were these there were these positive transformations, but then over time it went from a personal responsibility kind of thing, right? Developed this set of morals and ethics, personal responsibility, because it's about karma, right? What I do, good or bad, produces results that match, right? As as uh, Shrey Sensei used to say, good action do good situation make bad action do shitty situation make right so um but what ended up happening it was these denominations started popping up and i'm gonna call them denominations instead of sex but either way right because if i say sex people think i'm talking about sex right so it doesn't translate well but anyway right so these things created to where it went from personal responsibility to asking a buddha in heaven to give you things instead of you tied the knot, untie the damn knot. It's your, it's your doing, right? So because it just got easier. And, and that was his thing, right? You take anything of significance and give it enough time and the human ego will depersonalize responsibility and make it as easy as possible so that Whatever results that make for comfort is good enough, right? And somehow that ends up being confused with this this end result, right? Um, very very different, right? So anyway, um, but this this big hairy audacious goal kind of thing. My thing is just I set goals that are so big I am guaranteed to fall short, guaranteed to fall short. Right. But here's that other confusing thing. Again, we talked about this from the very beginning. Most people think that they need to have all their ducks in a row and they need to know the how before they set the goal. Right. I think that was his initial premise. Right. Um, but you don't need to know anything. Right. Because you need two you need two things to start with. Right. To set a goal or to, to actually realize a goal. It's actually the realizing a goal. Right. Because setting a goal is easy. Right. You just set the damn goal. 
You don't need anything else, right? If you have a dream, write it down, right? Start whatever, right? But you don't need anything to set a goal. Shit, back to New Year's resolutions. Did you need anything? Did you need intention, motivation, you know, uh, honesty, <laughs> anything, right, to set that New Year's resolution? Nope. Somebody asked, you just said it, right? You needed nothing, right? So that's the easy part. Set the goal. Yeah, but I don't know. We even did a physical martial arts drill, right, self-defense drill, after all this lesson. I'm going to let you describe the drill because I think it was funny as hell because the amount of wind-up that people needed to resolve in their head that they could do this without knowing how because they had two important pieces, regardless of their skill level, that took the longest. Anybody who, who ordered the, the raw video, and if you didn't, I gave you until 8 o'clock last night. I sound out more than enough emails. If you didn't get it, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but you remember how, I mean, how many questions came out? Your training partner himself. Holy shit, I thought was gonna, his ears were going to start smoking. <laughs> right? Because people need to know how before they set the what. No. Set the damn what. Well, I'm going to do that. Fantastic. Now you'll actually be more proactive, right? I said these big ass goals. Now what's the next thing I need? You know I need to know at. where I am, right? I need to know where I am because the magic is in the gap. This is not like the vacation to Disney that we talked about in the beginning. If I know how much time I have off and how much money I have to spend on the vacation, and I'm just choosing among options that fit those two things. Well, shit. The hell's that take? Nothing. But if I set a goal that requires my first trip to Japan was terrifying. At that point, I didn't speak the language. I was under Stephen Hayes and just decided I was going to go. Right. Um, had no idea where the Hombu Dojo was. Right. So I had to collect some information and all that. Right. This is before uh, this is pre-internet days. Right. Um, whatever. Right. I mean, I had to get all this stuff and then I had to I had to figure out how much is airfare? Where the hell am I going to stay? How much is that going to cost me? How much are classes at Hombu? Um, I want to train this many times. Right. OK. Well, that's going to cost me what? Right. What does it cost to train with the Grandmaster? Right. Um, all this stuff, food, everything. Right. Making sure our family's taken care of and the bills are paid for that month so that I'm not screwing them over to get this thing, you know, whatever. Right. Which is the way most people think that ultra successful or wealthy people are. Right. They're just going to screw everybody over so they can get what they want. Uh, really. And their kids are still going to these schools because they robbed an extra bank this month. I mean, that's just and, and I've always said, who's more likely to lie, cheat and steal? Somebody that doesn't have enough or somebody that does? Yeah, well, he lied, cheated, and steal so he'd have enough. Really? Somebody twisted your freaking arm behind your back to buy that thing that they're offering out. You know what your finances are. If you put yourself in the freaking hole because you bought it, that's not their fault. They marketed it to the general population 
because you needed to have it and were willing to screw everything over and not pay your bills and all that. Not his fault. Is he going to take your money? Of course. You bought it. Why would he not? He has payroll to meet. He has taxes to pay. He has bills to pay. He might even have alimony to pay. Whatever. <laughs> There's, right? There's electric. There's all kinds of stuff that he has to pay. Not just for his house, but the damn factory that's making all that stuff. Shipping costs, everything, right? Stuff that people have no idea about, right? The, the, the people that, that um, invested in his thing, that if he, you know, if he goes under, shit. It's not just going to close a business like people walking away from a job. He risks losing his home, his family, everything he freaking owns, his dignity. The news could run him through the freaking, you know, the streets um, because, you know, look how many people he put out of work. Seriously. Right? And somebody that only has to worry about whether or not they're going to keep their job or get fired from their job. Um, and this person... This, this uber successful person is supposed to worry about what people think of them and they're going to, they're going to maneuver so that they can keep the masses happy and still meet their obligations. Holy shit. Seriously? Right? And I'm going to say this once. If you think Donald Trump gives a shit about what anybody thinks of him with the number of people he has on payroll that he has to make sure gets paid every month, and benefits and all that kind of stuff. I don't give a shit what you think about Donald Trump. I'm not Trump, not Trump, whatever. I'm just pulling a name out of the hat, right? If you think that Shaquille O'Neal or any of these uber successful people give a flying rat's ass about what anybody thinks because your opinion doesn't pay their bills. But if you let other people's opinions, the detractors of one sort or the other, get in your way, who ultimately is at fault? I got to tell you, it's not the detractors. It's the person who decided to act on the opinion of people that had no investment, no vested interest in whether or not you succeed or fail. But as long as we're running around making sure that nobody hates us and I didn't tell anybody no and I didn't like make mommy upset at me or whatever, then, well, shit. This doesn't mean that I don't care about what my family thinks or whatever. But my why is way bigger than anybody's opinion. Way bigger. Because I won't be building those schools and those spiritual development centers or building other schools and setting up other schools and paying staff and all that stuff so I can affect more people's lives by, with somebody else's opinion. That took me decades to get. So before you think, I'm going to get emotional here, before you think I'm standing on a pedestal and this has been always me, this is me in the last five years. Because I tried to balance all that stuff out and I got that far. So here's what it is, right? Um, so we did this, we did this exercise, right? Um, so we have to know the goal, set that first, then you figure out where you are. And so I need to know what I need to get there, right? Every time I tried to hire people at my, at my dojo, one of the questions is, um, how much do you want to make? Not how much do you need to make, how much do you want to make, right? 
What kind of goals do you have? What do you want to be doing with your life? Where do you like, where, where do you, where have you always wanted to vacation? All that kind of stuff. That requires a certain amount, right? What, at what level do you want to live? All those kind of things, right? Nobody thinks about that shit. They've been taught that you, you know, you accept things for what they are and there's nothing you can do. And yeah, there is. There's a whole freaking formula for it, right? So one of the hardest things I have is hiring people that actually want to make a certain amount of money because they have goals and aspirations and dreams that they want to realize. And they're hoping that this position will allow them to, to do that, right? Because they're, they're a growth-oriented person. Because if I hire people that are not growth-oriented, they can't help me grow. They can't help Warrior Concepts grow. If I got people coming in doing nothing but punching a time clock and then bitching and moaning because they're not making an extra, you know, extra money or whatever, but they're not, they're barely doing enough freaking work to not get fired based on the job they're supposed to be doing, but I'm supposed to promote them to the next level so they get more money. How about showing you're worth that by doing more than you're supposed to be doing to get the paycheck you're getting? Why would anybody give you more? If you're not already doing more, if you don't show that you're capable of doing more, there's a reason that James is my admin assistant and now running up, running the, the online uh, training stuff, even though it doesn't talk. <laughs> Usually, right? <laughs> I, bet, I bet your wife complains about it more than I do, right? <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I, I just promoted him because he has a hearty laugh and we can have good conversations. Or he tells me, yes, everything's, you know, whatever I say is good. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay. But anyway, so you need, you need to know how much you need. <clears throat> and by saying, where, where am I now? Okay. How much do I make? How much, whatever, right? What are my current conditions and what's the gap? Because the gap is the difference between where I am and where I want to be. That's my, that's my game plan. Ding, 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 right? So it's not that, I'm going to say it's not that difficult because the process isn't that difficult. It's the working the process and staying focused on the process and having thick skin when it comes to detractors and tough stuff. The big hairy guy in the room, right? That's that's what stops most people, right? Because... They they just want to hit a level of comfort, and then they just justify that themselves. Well, I'm not willing to be that kind of person. Uh, I'm not going to be whatever. It happens, it happens in jobs, right? Think about it, right? There is a dichotomy in most businesses where it's management against employees, employees against management, right? Because management has been stung by way too many slackers and people that say they're going to do certain things and then don't. Uh, abuse the time off work kind of thing and all that. And they're running around trying to, trying to get stuff done so the business can move, pay its bills and all that kind of stuff. And then these people are like fucking slave drivers and whatever, right? And then somebody does stand out, right? My, I, one of my ex-wives, um, her dad used to brag about the fact that he did such a good job on the floor that they, wanted him to be management several times before he retired. And his answer was, <laughs> turn him down. I'm not going to be one of them. Because he, they spent every day 
bitching and moaning about them and them became the enemy. But you got a chance to rise up and do more and be more, but you're going to turn it down because in your head you've already decided, right? So what is it? I can't become one of the enemy, or if I do take the job, now my friends see me the way I've always seen me. See the game that gets played? It's just bullshit. It's no wonder people don't get for, get, get anywhere. They hit a level of equi- you know, equanimity um, or, or um, balance or comfort or whatever where they're, they spend all their time now justifying why I don't really need that thing. Anyway, we're not going to get into our discussion about fudo mio and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think we discussed this enough. But that what it really comes down to, you know, there's a question mark on the on the slide, right? Bag or swag goal setting? Which one? Right? Or smart or whatever these things, right? But I think I think people either have to hit rock bottom where they're tired of being where they are. And they have to make a massive change. Or they have a why that's so freaking big that they're going to need more time, effort, money, whatever it is, to do the kind of good in the world that they want to be remembered for. And there's nothing wrong with like, you know, I just want to be a good parent, raise my kids, have my grandkids remember me, all that kind of stuff when I'm gone. And that's all great. That's fantastic. If whatever you're doing is already good enough, if that's that's your thing, shit, that's that's cool. Right? I don't know why you stuck it out for an entire goal setting podcast, but maybe just loyalty. Sensei, want to hear what you had to say? Okay, okay, fantastic. Now I've said it. Anyway, James, any questions or comments or uh, flaming emails or anything come in? Oh, well, I was. Bashing my lips against each other. <laughs> if you think we've been busy up to this point, I have to change. Um, you do know that um, I have to change the structure of how we introduce new students to the dojo because of these changes we're making. Because when it works the way it's going to work here in the next week or two, oh. we will not be able to do one-on-one. Right intros for people's first class and I've always been averse to just bringing somebody in and tossing him into class and having them figure it out so you know my process is look make sure that person feels comfortable and and that way you can make a good decision about whether this is right or wrong because that speaks about us as instructors just as right. much as it you know because I don't want to be chasing people out because we just freaking overwhelm them right so I'm already outlining how the new introductory program schedule has to work um, because we can't make changes in certain areas and keep everything else the same. And that's a big thing for people too, right? They want the benefits, but they don't want to change. Right? When the reality is that attaining goals, depending on the goal, requires more time, effort, energy, and resources than anyone can imagine especially if we're doing the big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Or my big, bodacious goals, right? Um, it's going to take more than people can even imagine. 
And that's not just money, time, knowledge, and all that. That's keeping your health up. That's all energy. That's everything, right? I mean, holy shit. You, you know, you drive it, what, almost an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, give or take, to come to class, to train for two hours, something like that, two and a half hours, something like that, right? And then head back home and jump right back on the computer to work on the stuff we're working on to grow the online stuff, right? Most people would be like, uh, are you kidding me? So they either cut out classes or they cut out that or, cause you know, something's got to give, something's got to go. When the reality is, is that the, there's going to be a big payoff when all the pieces fall into place or not fall into place are put into place, right? And are acted on. But, um, we said this many episodes ago. Comfort is the poison of success. In the instructor training program, I don't even know if I taught it this time. thought I did. One of the key principles is everybody, and this is something that every instructor needs to understand, right? Everybody procrastinates and everybody quits. So one of your jobs as an instructor is to do what, James? Have people procrastinate quitting. Get people to procrastinate quitting. Because every time, every class you teach, people are either one step closer to black belt or their next level or one step closer to the door. And that doesn't mean you placate them. That means you make sure that they see value. And there's ways to do that other than browbeating them and going, do you get it? Do you get it? Wasn't that important? Do you see how magical this is? Anyway, were there any questions or comments or people just saying, hey, I thought I saw like Jimmy's thing pop in um, along the way. So just right. a global hey to everybody because I, I, I don't see you pop up on my screen. I have to use him as a filter because long ago we realized uh, and those of you on, like I said, Apple Podcasts and all these, uh, you know, Google Play or whatever. Uh, you wouldn't experience this stuff anyway. Uh, but the people that are on live as we're broadcasting this, if we had the setup the way it was originally. People were hijacking things and throwing man, there was some pretty bad stuff that popped in, right? Um, had I had technology been different, I could have reached through a screen. But if if technology were different, right? It was like that Bill and Ted's uh Bill and Ted Strike Back or something like that. Remember that old comedy thing where based on the first movie, a bunch of people were flaming them online and stuff, and they made a list. Then they just drove around knocking on their door. When the guy came to the door, they like, you know, because People are assholes when they think that they're anonymous, right? Mm. And tough guys forget that it's easy to shoot you from across the street. <laughs> so ninja have to think differently. Anyway, what do we, what do we got? Uh, in regards to the camp, Sensei McLaurin said the meditation for me, the clarity was unbelievable. Awesome. At some point, you can let me know when you believe it. No, I'm just being a jack wagon. Right. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, uh, we actually had a, had a couple of breakthroughs that time. One of the students, um, said that they had tried meditation many times before in different settings. And when we were going to do meditation, she was like, <laughs> because of past experience. And that was a huge turnaround, right? Because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know, contrived or somebody, 
misunderstood and made shit up or whatever it was, right? Um, or there was some kind of hidden agenda. The agenda was do the exercise and try to hit this point, right? Because it's all about controlling your mind. But there's different types of meditation, right? And sometimes um, programming is disguised as meditation. Ultimately, it's all programming anyway, but I mean like agenda-based programming, mm. right? Somebody else is leading you to uh, the dark side. <laughs> it's more of a cult kind of activity than whatever, right? So anyway, who else? What else we got? Um, Jamie Lee Hassett said you're looking good. Really? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, pushing 60. I think I'm looking fucking phenomenal for pushing 60. Body's falling apart, arthritis and all kinds of stuff. But you know what? You're still going to drag me kicking and screaming into the grave. What else? Uh, Tori and Dale. You know who are Jesse Ventura is? Mm-hmm. Like a pro wrestler and all that. And he was the governor of Minnesota. I'm thinking Michigan, Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota, right? Um, I read a really good book by him, and I love the phrase, right? The book and the phrase is, I ain't got time to bleed. There's too much shit that's still left undone. I am looking to build a legacy that lives beyond me. I know how woo-woo and I don't know, self-centered or whatever that sounds, but I truly do believe that this stuff, it saved my life. I sound like I'm in a Southern Baptist revival or whatever when I go, mashallah, ninjutsu saved my life. Absolutely did, right? Be- because of all the facets of it, right? Um, and I, just like somebody said they wrote it, if you, if, you, if you have ninjutsu history and tradition, Reread the introduction that Hatsumi Sensei has at the beginning of that book, right? It's actually um, an adaptation to something that Takamatsu Sensei had written. It might even have been by Takamatsu. No, I think it was by him. But it's an adaptation of that. And part of that is, and this was written er, way early 80s, right? That based on the condition of the world, the world needs this now more than ever. Just like it did in the old days. Right? Because of how people, and it's not just like ducking punches and knives and bullets and all that, but the, the assaults on our minds, our hearts, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you need to, you need to start drawing lines in the sand and, and creating gateways and stuff and setting things up and being strong enough that if you don't open a gate in a certain avenue, somebody doesn't get to come into your realm. They don't get to come in and just dance around because PC or whatever programming we've got early on um, tells us that we have to be nice to people and don't offend. And meanwhile, these fuckers, are, excuse my language, these people are trampling all through our damn lives. No, 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 no. Anyway, if you haven't read it, read it. If you did read it, read it again. Oh, and if you have read it and after you read it again, Read it again and see if you can extrapolate the code that's hidden inside of it. Because it's written with ninja code pointing at things that on the surface it doesn't look like. 
And that's as far as I'm going to say about it. Because you'd have to work with me personally before you even start talking about that stuff. So, <laughs> well, that sucks, Sensei. You should just tell me, man. Get off your ass and actually train better. Anyway, so um, uh, who, who else and what else? <laughs> if I keep Chris McLaurin with all his questions at bay, people that aren't like actual inner circle students, <laughs> don't stand a chance. <laughs> And I love the people that write me emails and go, oh, you care about us some money. Where's, you, know, like, you should give the stuff for free. Dude, I got 60 freaking videos on YouTube channel. I've got almost 600 articles on a place called easyandarticles.com. I do a freaking podcast every week. I do a whiteboard Wednesday every week. Shit, podcast is what, an hour and a half, two hours every time we do it. Whiteboard Wednesday is 45 minutes to an hour. Kiss my ass. Okay. I don't give enough away for free. Stop looking for free. Figure out how to change things so that you don't need free. And besides that, you don't know that I'm not bullshitting you if you, unless you test the stuff out. And that's the way it is. Getting back to my son's sun-kissed orange. What else do we have? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Tori said beautiful words. Thank you so much. Since you mentioned Ninjutsu History and Traditions, that is going to be the first book I read again haven't read a book in a while. This was inspiring. All mine are ebooks, so <laughs> I don't have one to put up. <laughs> I could decorate the place with like all my stuff. You know? um, I've got a banner uh, that I use somewhere. Where did I put that, James? Um, it was on one of the iterations of the website that it's a banner of some of the books and programs that I've created. And, I mean, it has workplace violence stuff in there and all that, but it's like, like I ran out of space. I couldn't keep putting stuff in oh. without, like, just making it, like, just a mess, right? You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? I think so. It like, has, like, a dozen or more things just <laughs> from left to right, you know? So, uh, like, uh, the, um, what is it, the Butsu, uh, Bushi no Mei. Remember that one? Yes. Just how warriors use their eyes. Eyes. Starting with Nekugan, which is just naked eyes, just the way the eyes work and taking in all the stuff and then working through the different mindsets and all that kind of stuff so that you see shit that nobody even knows is going on. And that's, this is not woo-woo stuff. This is biology. This is psychology, right? This is, you know, and it's just like an hour-long like little mini program that I decided to make, uh, do as a lesson for you guys and then decided, hmm, maybe other people would be interested in this. Yeah, maybe not. Who knows? Anyway, all right, so let's go ahead and wrap this up because um, I've got stuff to do. I have an assignment from my new mentor um, to get done and another hour and a half out of the two and a half hour uh, recorded lesson that I was given to do um, because I got another lesson tomorrow to go through and I'm doing the action steps along the way because uh, I'm not I'm not taking my time. I'm not I'm just I'm. By the end of this week, I'm going to be releasing the actual action stuff that will produce directly the results in the dojo. And when I say end of the week, I really mean like Thursday or Friday. <laughs> I don't mean Sunday, right? And if I can get it done by Wednesday or Thursday, even better. But right now, the goal is Thursday, Friday. Because I have stuff to do during the day and the night. So 
Anyway, I have my grandson in the middle of the day on uh, Thursday, so that tends to bump me around depending on how uh, this two, almost three-year-old decides that, you know, what, what position grandpa's in. I can play alone and I'm good, or, and I'm okay with that. It's a little vacation. That just makes me more intent when I jump back on the next thing because I just, you know, did something else for four hours. I love family, but at the same time, there's another part of my brain that's like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, in all honesty, I am that hungry and I am that passionate about making this thing happen. And like I said, I'm pushing 60. I don't have a whole lot of years left over. That doesn't mean I'm going to die next year or whatever. Even if I die when I'm 108, like my goal is, right? Because in Mikio, 108, the human being is supposed to have 108 defilements that need to be worked on and fixed. And I didn't get started in this until I was like 22, 24, something like that. Got some catching up to do. So, but even if I were to make it that far, I'm over halfway. Realistically, I might make it to 80 or 85. Not a lot of time. So if you're in your 20s or your 30s, I guess take some more time off. Of course, I'm being facetious. All right. All right. Uh, is that it? Nobody else? Hi, everyone else that just stopped in to say hi. Otherwise, we'll talk to you again next week on what is this? Oh, yeah. Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.